We are in a series called Church in the Wild. Uh, we all probably have a different opinion of how wild it is, but the reality is we would all agree it's pretty wild out there. Amen. But I'm grateful, aren't you grateful, uh, that Jesus said, hey, listen, take heart. As wild and crazy as it gets, you can take heart. Why? Because I've overcome the world. We have the victorious one on the inside of us. How many know that we know the end of the story and it's that he wins? Amen. And so we can, we can move and operate and be church in the wild uh, with God in us. And so I want to share today specifically on, uh, this is church in the wild. I want to talk specifically today about wildfire. Uh, I believe that the fire of God is a thing. Can I get an amen today? There's a pastor, before we pray, there's a pastor I listen to about as much as I can whenever I have the time. I sort of have a rotation of pastors that I try to listen to, about a dozen of them. And one of them is actually a pastor who's 85 years old. And uh, he's still out there preaching and conferences and different things. And um, he has this one statement that he says all the time before he preaches. He asks this question, and I always think it's weird when he does it, but I, I see where he's going, and I kind of like what he's doing. And so I'll ask you the same question. He always opens his sermon by saying this, are you expecting today? And then church people say, yeah, I'm expecting. And then I always thought it was weird because, you know, a pregnant woman's like, I am actually, you know. And then someone else is like, I hope not, <laughs> you know. like. But that's not what he's talking about. What, he, what he's saying is like, hey, did you come here expecting today? Essentially, when we get to the house of God, this should be Christmas morning, meaning last night you should have been all like, I can't wait till morning because God's got something for me. And I can't wait to get into that place and worship and see what it is. I can't wait to get into the word and hear what it's going to be. You know what I'm talking about? Joshua actually said this to his people. He's leading them into the promised land. He says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. God is going to do some amazing things among you. What if we spent every single night thinking, man, tomorrow's the next day, and the next day, uh, tomorrow, God is going to do something amazing. And then we go to bed that night, and the next morning, we have an expectation, and we have an anticipation that, man, even tomorrow, God's going to do another amazing thing in my life. What would our churches look like? What would our homes look like if we set our expectations like that? If you were a church person, let me speak to you church junkies today. You would know what I'm talking about. You grow up going to church camp or youth rally, or you go away to a conference. You're like, oh, man, church camp was so amazing. It was so electric. You say, oh, that conference is just so amazing. And, and really, nothing's different at a camp or a conference or a rally than church. You still worship. You still hear the word. You're still with the people that you know. The difference is you go to those places with your heart expecting God to do something more. I say we need to bring that church camp experience to a Sunday morning. Come in eager and hungry and ready to see God move. And um, I believe we'll see change. Amen. Let's pray. And we're going we're gonna to jump right into this sermon wildfire. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for all that you have done in our life, all that you are doing in our life, and what you are going to do in these next few moments. God, I pray that we do catch your fire as we hear your word. God, I pray that our hearts as we leave burn brighter than they ever have. Lord, I pray against any distraction, anything that may try to um, quench what your spirit is going to do in this room. Lord, we say that will come to naught. God, we want it all. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, at Yosemite Park, there was this thing that used to happen uh, called the firefall. And what they would do is sort of in the, the off season or winter time, all of these different trees would fall and debris would be gathered, whether it came through lightning strike or wind or storm or snow weight or anything like that. And they would, they would get in and they would begin to gather and push all of these things to a certain side of a mountain. They would let it dry and get ready. And then locals would gather and come to the bottom of the mountain. It became this big spectator thing that began to happen. And what they would do is when the time was right and people were gathered, uh, they would light all of that with kerosene. 
kerosene and then gasoline, and they would take bulldozers and they would shove all of this fire over the cliff. And the fire would come cascading and just brilliance and beauty over the side of this mountain to people's awe and wonder. They would just watch this fire fall and cheer and celebrate as the fire fell. Well, there's a guy who grew up experiencing that and he moved away and sometime later came back to town and said, hey, it's that time of year. I need to make sure I get over there. It's been a long time. I want to see the fire fall again. So he gets to that place and he he begins to ask locals, when is it going to happen? And they said, hey, I'm sorry to tell you, the park ranger says, we actually... We don't have the firefall here anymore. And I wonder if that's the same case with some of our churches in America. Where generations ago, you used to say, oh my gosh, you need to get into the house of God. Because if you're hurting and you have pain or you're struggling with an addiction, what you need to do is get over there. Because this amazing thing happens when people get in the presence of God, the fire falls. And it's like nothing you've seen before. And it's transformative and it's amazing. You need to experience it. I hope it's not said about our churches that there's no longer a firefall. One of the reasons they shut down the firefall is they said because it drew too many people and it was too hard to control. What was happening was the flowers were getting trampled in the national park and the pathways were being ruined. Essentially, they said, hey, all all of this that's happening, these people coming in, they're they're ruining our flowers, they're ruining our pathways. I believe the American church did the same thing. Oh, all those people with addictions coming to see the firefall, they're messing up our little rooms and they're messing up our little things. We need to shut this down. It's, It's too hard to control. We need the fire to fall again in the churches in America. They said that it drew too many people. Because the fire of God and the fire falls of God, how many know it draws people? It's not going to be any program or slick three points in a poem sermon. It's going to be when people come and experience the firefall and the power of God in their lives. That's why I'm grateful that we don't come in and sing three cute songs. No, Cody leads us and the team leads us into, God, what are you saying? Where's your fire falling? We want to be where you are. Are you with me today? I hope it's not said about our own lives in our own homes, in our own personal altars, that the fire doesn't fall anymore. We first get saved and we're so on fire and we're so excited for what God's doing and what he's taken us out of. But as time's gone on, we've said, oh, it's just, it's too much to manage, trying to seek after God and therefore our fire's gone out. And we just have homes and churches that are no longer firefalls. They're embers at best, but maybe even mostly ashes of what God used to be and what he used to do. I believe we need a bright burning fire. We need a passionate fire in our heart for God. We need passionate fires of praise and we need fires of faithfulness back in the church. Are you with me today? It was once a flicker, but now it's just ashes. Jesus tells a parable about keeping your fire. When it comes to the end, the scripture talks about Matthew 25, eight. It talks about as he's given this parable of keeping watch at the end of day. Scripture says it this way, the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Jesus is saying, hey, keep watch. You got to make sure that you're ready. Keep burning. You're going to need to be burning at the end when it matters. And she, they, they said, hey, hey, hey. They said, we, we, we need some of yours because our oil's out. One translation says, because our flames are dying. We're not going to make it at the end if our flames die. If we don't keep the burning in our hearts and the burning in our minds and the burning in our devotions, are you with me? Fire of God, I'm going to prove to you over the next several minutes, is not just church slang. What's he talking about? Fire of God. You know, we walk around fire above our head. What's he talking about? It's not church slang. This is something more than just a word you would say to express maybe an emotion. I believe God is a God of power. 
And God is a God who can move supernaturally. He can put his super on our natural and he can change things. This is more than a church slang. You might say you meet somebody and you meet somebody and you hit it off. You say, man, that person, we just really had a connection. What I'm talking about right now is more than just having a connection. It's a fire of God burning in our lives. The young kids say, oh, yeah, you meet somebody. Young kids say, yeah, we vibing. We vibe. You see, that's what the first service did to me, too. They were like, don't do that again. If I had a third service, I wouldn't do it again. But it's not that. It's not this kind of like, yeah, me and God, like, yeah, we got this. Connect. No, no, no. God's burning. It's all consuming. He's, he's all that I want. He's all that I need. He's, he's everything that leads me. Are you with me this morning? The fire of God is all throughout Scripture. One of the ways we see the fire of God as an attribute of God is because it's a symbol of his deity. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, it says, For our God, our God, is a consuming fire. Consumes us. Take, takes over us more than entertainment, more than leisure, more than the things of this world. Our God can be so on fire and so evident in our life that it's consuming of us. Yeah. Matthew chapter or Malachi chapter three, verse two says, for he will be like a refiner's fire. The fire of God in our life and the fire of God in our church is meant to be something that refines and brings out the best of us. Yeah. You take gold and whatever else you put in fire and you put that in there and you get it real hot and it takes away all of the impurities. Why? So that you can be your most beautiful and your best. That's what the fire of God does in our life. That's why we need it in our life to say, God, I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be just an ember. I want to be burning for you so that you can refine me and bring the best out of me. We need the fire of God in the American church. They're asking John the Baptist. Hey, are you the Messiah? John the Baptist, is it possible that you're the... And he gives us, again, another attribute or what we can know of God. Matthew 3.11, he says this. This is John the Baptist. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes the one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire consuming fire, something burning in us about God and how we desire him. Fire is something that we need in our life as we follow God. Fire is the symbol we see in the Old Testament that fire is the symbol of acceptance and approval of God. Whenever they would offer sacrifices, and I'm grateful that we don't live in this hour, you're called to offer a sacrifice. You are in this day in New Testament living. We're called to offer sacrifices. I'm just grateful that it didn't mean animals. <laughs> we offer ourselves as sacrifices. We offer our time. We get to lay our own lives on the altar, but we're not out there having to cut up animals. But at this time, they were. And the way that they knew God showed them approval and acceptance was if he answered by fire. All throughout scripture, you see, they would take animals, they would lay them on the altar, and God would show his approval and his acceptance by sending fire. Yeah. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24 says this, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. For them, when they laid out a sacrifice in the firefall, that's how they knew they had acceptance. So God has given us approval, so they fall in joy. Now we get to live our, live our lives down, lay our lives down. Sacrificial. God, I'm going to praise. I'm going to worship you. Cody's up here leading us. We're laying down on the altar. And then you can expect God's approval by answer of fire. 
fire in our lives, passion burning in our lives is something we can look forward to. Genesis chapter 15, we see that uh, Abraham split up five different animals, laid them on the altar. The scripture says that God descended and walked between them as a flame of fire. For some reason, the scripture is full of God showing himself as fire. We see that the father of Samson uh, put together a sacrifice. And the scripture says that from heaven, a rock burst open with flame and there was an angel in it doing what? Showing acceptance and approval. God, again, shows himself as a God of fire. We lay our actions out as sacrifice and God responds with the approval of fire. The fire, I believe, is this. The fire is also a sign of God's presence. We see all through scripture where God is leading and his presence is known by fire. Uh, they many times, if we think about uh, Zechariah, read to you Zechariah 2, we see they're talking about the protection of Jerusalem. And this is what God says to the people. He says in Zechariah 2, 5, he says, and I myself will be the wall of fire around you, declares the Lord, I will be its glory within. Wherever God was, there was demonstrations of fire. Fire of God is something that's very obvious throughout Scripture. We know, think about this, the children of Israel, you got to hear this, don't, don't, don't tune out. The children of Israel walked through the wilderness. They walked through an unprepared place, right? There's no perfect road. There's no whole thing. They're walking fully trusting on God. And what does the Scripture say? The Scripture says that God led them by a pillar of fire. Pillar of fire. What's also amazing about that is you know that the Egyptians and the enemies couldn't actually see the fire. This was something that God supernaturally did and put over them. Have you ever just known somebody that you're like, how are they so lucky? How is everything they do turned to gold? How, how come that they got all that? Because you can't see the fire that God has over their life. You can't see what they've laid at the altar when you're not looking. How many know what I'm talking about? And so the scripture says that God led them led them and even their enemies couldn't see the fire. Here's what that fire effect had in their life. We know that it was a guiding effect. The fire of God in our life is a guiding effect for us. When we desire the fire of God in our life, we say, God, I'm desiring this fire and it it guides us. It leads us. We also know that it was a comforting effect for them. They're walking through the wilderness, but by night they're lit by this fire and they could walk through this season being comforted, knowing what? That God's presence was with them by fire. The fire of God, this the zeal of God. We also know that it was a providing effect for them. The fire of God provides for us. They're walking in times of darkness. Scripture says this fire is lighting their way. So what is it doing? It's providing for them. That's what the fire of God is meant to do in our lives. It's guide and provide and comfort. We need the fire of God evident in our lives. Think about Moses. He's in the desert. He's actually feeling kind of like a loser. He's in a defeated season of his life. The scripture says that this bush over here catches on fire, but it doesn't burn up completely. It's this all-consuming fire that God was mentioning. It's just continually burning, 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 burning. And the scripture says what? It, God, it's speaking to Moses and then calls him into doing what? Setting his people free. Because what does God's fire do? It sets his people free. We need the fire of God in our life. We need to desire and pursue and be passionate about God's fire in our life. That's why the church needs the fire in our praise. That's why the church needs the fire in its people. That's why the church needs fire in its prayers. That's why we have Saturday morning prayers where we come together and we pray with passion that God moves in fire. That's why preaching in America needs its fire back. I love what Charles Spurgeon says, put some fire in the sermon or put the sermon in the fire. 
There's a lot of sermons in America that deserve to be in the fire. Tickling of ears and affirmings of people's feelings. A sermon's not meant to tickle your ear and affirm your feelings. A sermon's meant to burn and convict and be on fire and transform us, not in an ugly way, but in a God, I'm desiring to lay myself down so that you can accept and approve by fire. Your fire in my life. Am I telling the truth today? So we need fire. We need this fire moving in our lives. Unfortunately, programs have replaced passion and power. Instead of coming in and saying, God, what do you want to do in this moment? God, how do you want to move? God, who do you want to touch? God, we come in and we say, what's the program going to look like? How many songs are they going to be? And we got people counting people down in their earpiece to make sure that service ends at the exact time so that people can go home at the right time. We don't have that, thank God. But, but we say, oh, we like this program to be like this and be like this. No, we want to come in and we want to experience the power and the fire of God is what we're setting out to do. Worship has become mechanical instead of desiring the fire and laying ourselves on the altar. It's been very mechanical. We, we like a faster song and then give me a slower song and then maybe a song that I can think on for a little bit. And, and everything's all become mechanical. We do instead of coming in and say, God, just light me a fire. God, burn in me in this next few minutes. Let, let the musicians play while I experience your fire. Are you with me today? Yeah. Participation in church has become measured against leisure and entertainment. Instead of saying, God, I have a fire to see you transform my community. We say, oh, I see what they're doing over there. That's kind of a good work. I'd like to see that work. But first, let me check and see if that lines up with my entertainment and my schedule, my calendar and my camping. Yeah. Everything's measured against leisure and entertainment. 2 Timothy 1.6 says this, For this reason, Paul's saying, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. This is something we got to do. we got to blow on the flames. How many of you try to get that fire to keep going? He's saying, listen, you got to be a people. As you walk with God, you got to make sure that you're fanning that flame. You're stoking that fire because you can't let that fire go out. Can I get an amen today? I thought about it like this. One translation of that says to make sure that you're rekindling. You're keeping it alive. You ever have a campfire and it's still burning, it's still doing good, but you go, hey, I want to keep this thing hot. I got re- to rekindle. I got to go throw some more on there because I want to keep this fire alive. That's what Paul's saying. Hey, we got to be a people who keep throwing it on the fire. Well, I remember back in 1992, I did a small group once and you haven't thrown any wood on the fire since. Am I telling the truth in church today? <laughs> okay. And we say, oh, God, why aren't you burning in my life? Why aren't you? Because we need to throw something on the fire. Amen. Proverbs 26, 20 says, without wood, a fire goes out. You know what happens if you don't add to the fire? You're left with ashes. Yeah. And some of you can't figure out why we just have ashes in our life. And we don't see the flame of God and the burning in our hearts anymore. It's because we've stopped putting on the fire. Yeah. And God is saying, be that living sacrifice who puts itself on the altar. That's why 70% of churches are either stagnant or in decline. Stagnant or decline. They become places of ashes. Why? Because they've been houses that stop putting sacrifice out. We're convenience, everything. Get a cup of coffee and I'm going to say some nice things to you. You can be home in one hour. Don't even worry about it. Fire on the altar. That's nonsense. We'll get you home in time. Okay. I mean, when that Olive Garden opens, like, are people even going to come to church anymore? We need wood on the fire. Pastor, what's wood on the fire? What are you talking about? Help me out. Be more specific. Every time you open that scripture and you begin to read and you begin to let God convict and you let him press places in your heart 
that you don't want them to press. And you say, God, change me, mold me, correct me. And he, and he illuminates those addictions and those habits. And you say, God, I got to get rid of these. I got to lay these down. God, burn these out of me. Refine these out of me. That's how we put stuff on the fire. Prayer is how we put stuff on the fire. Resisting temptation is how we put things on the altar that gives God a chance to burn brighter in our lives. No, I'm not going to look at that. No, I'm not going to be that way with that person. No, I'm not going to resist temptation so that I might have bright fire. Devotion and commitment to studies. I'm so happy and so grateful. Yesterday, we had one of our largest dudes, donuts, and discussions meetings we've ever had. My kids were super mad because we didn't have any extra donuts to bring home. Get home like, where's the donuts? I'm like, they're all gone. We had a bunch of people. Kids are like, I don't care. (laughs) They don't care about your eternity. They just care about those donuts. But men showing up, that's how we burn bright. Because we show up to these things and we connect with one another and we do life together and we lay ourselves on the altar. Same thing with the women's study. The ladies show up and they connect and they do life and they say, hey, God, we, we we want this fire to burn bright. We don't want people to come into this place and once wonder, what happened to the fire? Where'd the fire fall go? Is this a place of ashes, just a few embers? No, this is a place that's burning. And this is one of the ways we do it. Worship and how we come in and we worship. Another is wholesome talk. We get in front of the next generation and we begin your your countertop. Conversations in your house. I hope you're talking about your prayer life around your kids. I hope you're, as a spouse or in in your household, I hope you're going around speaking of the things that God's doing in your life. They hear way too much of the negative. Well, did you see what sounds out it? And they're hearing you talk about all that kind of stuff. Let's talk about some of the fire of God stuff in our homes. Let's talk about how we prayed for people and saw God make a difference in their life. Let's talk about the things that we're encountering when we come to church. Are you with me today? That's what lights the fire. It's what causes things to burn. First Thessalonians 519 says this. Do not quench the spirit. We hear this as do not quench the spirit. Don't cause the spirit. You could say about a fire, you throw a bunch of dirt on there and you've quenched the fire. The word translation version of this is do not put out the spirit's fire. This is your warning. It's like, hey, be a person at all costs that makes sure that you're not putting out the spirit's fire in your life. One of the ways that I know you have a bad fire is if you don't prepare for a good fire. If you ever go camping or you go somewhere where you're going to have a fire, if you're going to have yourself a good, nice, hot, crackling campfire, you will have done some sacrifices in advance to be able to do that. Unless you're lazy and you buy the fire on the side of the road on your way out, but that's another, (laughs) still a sacrifice you did in advance. But you split the wood really good. You stack the wood really good. You let it dry really good. You brought it up there. You made all of these sacrifices so that when that fire time came, you were prepared for that fire to be bright. Many of us in church are like what our kids do for fire. We get to the campground, Dad, I'm going to go get stuff for a fire. And they run off to the woods and they get soggy, mossy, wet, dirty wood. And they go, oh, let's just quick throw that in there. And they're trying to light it. And how many know it doesn't come to fire? Because God's not looking for second best. God's looking for us to say, I want the pure. I want your best. I want your first. I want your dedicated. And we say, oh, 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 it's Sunday again. Oh, 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 let's run and get some sticks. Oh, I guess we better worship again. Let's see if God lights that fire. Are you with me today? It takes priority and it takes putting God first to see his fire in our life. 
Jeremiah 5.15 says this, I will make my words in your mouth like fire. There's so many ugly words in culture today. There's so many people spewing so many nasty things. Big words. We got bigot and we got racist and we got all of these things. And there's truth to all of these different things. But we got people accusing of this and this and this. What if the church could rise up and be a church that our words are like fire? And they burn through the nonsense and the hypocrisy of what this generation is facing. We want to be that people with fire in our words. I thought about Jeremiah 26 says his word is in my heart like a fire. I'm so into his word. I'm so into his ways that it's so in my heart that God gets to breathe on it and turn it into fire. He said, it's like it's shut up in my bones. I'm just burning with God's word so that I can eventually speak it and see people transformed. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, they're talking to Jesus. And they were, when they recall their encounter with Jesus, they say, did our hearts not burn within us as he spoke to us the words of life? The words of life, God's words, the words of life burned in them. We should desire the same thing. Something bad began to happen out in California with the redwood trees. Redwood trees, you would know of them. It's the big trees out in California where they have like holes cut in them and you can drive right through the trees with cars. They're the very famous trees out there and they set historic heights and all this. Well, they began to study them and they realized that the next generation of redwood trees was hindered in their growth. As a matter of fact, they weren't actually growing. The next season of growth wasn't happening. And the reason that began to happen is uh, previous years... They decided to artificially and man produce this spray that they would spray on the trees when fires begin to break out. So lightning strike would happen or just different wildfires would happen. And so these wildfires would pop up and the rangers would quickly go in and they would spray all these down and they would contain the fire. But then they begin to notice in that region and in that area, as they've stopped God's ways of just natural fire happening, they begin to notice that these redwood trees were going extinct because nothing of the next generation was growing up. Then they begin to study it a little bit more and they said, hold on a second. We think the reason that those other seeds of the next generation were able to germinate and grow was because of the wildfire heat that was happening. What I'm trying to say is the previous generation's fire was burning the callus off the next generation and causing it to come to life. The previous generation fire, as it burned, it touched the next generation. We need a church that's burning for this next generation. We need a church that's going to say, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to sacrifice my luxuries because we need a next generation that needs to burn some of this callous off. Some of this hard heartedness that they have to face in this generation. Some of this worldliness, this wokeness, this ridiculousness that that falling into. We need to burn this off the next generation or they're never going to come into. We're going to see a generation extinct for God if we don't burn it off them. So the programs and the playing that we do and all the little church games, it's not going to get it done. It's artificial. It's man-made. And it costs us the next generation. We've got to burn off depression, anxiety, shame, addiction with the fire of God. We need it. It's required. Are you with me? Leviticus chapter 6 verse 12 talks about how heaven lights the fire. God lights the fire. We keep it burning. The fire on the altar, this is Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12. This, of course, uh, God's people are moving. They're on the move. They're being led. And it says this, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. 
It must not go out every morning the priests are to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and to burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. And it says it again, the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Two times it's saying, listen, out of everything that you're doing, keep the fire going. And God's like, understanding that, no, there are people on the move. Scripture actually teaches us they had to move this fire as they traveled. They got a copper bowl to put over it, protect it. But God's saying, I know you got all these things going on, but the number one thing is keep the fire burning. I know you got soccer. I know you got work. I know you got vacation. I know you got overtime. I know you got birthday parties. I know you got all of those things. But you know what I care about? You better keep that fire going. You better keep the fire going. It's the same thing in our life. We have to keep the fire burning above all those other things. I'll close with this. The church itself, the church, Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read it to you, was birthed in fire. Do you want to know how much God cares about us keeping fire burning for him? That literally at the launch of the church, what you're sitting in right now, this many years later, was birthed and born in fire. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost came, They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled those in the house that were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is the point. The church then and the church now was born in fire It's sustained in fire. It's led by fire. It's purified by the fire. It's empowered by the fire. Therefore, the fire of God must be priority in our life and priority in our church. God, we want your fire. We don't want programs. We don't want nonsense. We don't want score. We we want your fire. They taught you in school the elements of fire. Most of you. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But they give you this candle. And they give you this mason jar, and it's a burning candle, and you put, because oxygen is so important, you take this mason jar, and you put that over the candle, and eventually you don't have any more air, and the fire goes out, because you've suffocated the fire. And many of us are like, God, my fire, what's the deal with this fire? And God's like, you've suffocated me. You've tried to contain me. You've tried to cover me up. I wanted to move. I wanted to burn. I wanted to do these things in your life. But you were like, oh, no, no, no. And you covered it all up and you suffocated the fire. We need to be some people that get back to saying, hold on, God, I don't want to lit on this thing. I don't want to do it like I've always done it. I don't want it to be how it's always been. God, let this fire burn. Are you with me today? I love what Tommy Tenney says. He says, if we want the fire of God, we must become the fuel of God. How do we keep the fire burning? We become the fuel. We lay ourselves on the altar and we say, God, burn in me. God, burn me. But whatever you got to do, God, do it. Everybody says, oh, I want a fire of God. Come on, fire of God. When are you going to get here? And he's like, be, be the fuel. Yeah. Lay your life down. I'll burn. But we got to lay our lives down. I love this. Destitute of the fire of God, nothing else counts. Possessing the fire, nothing else matters. That's it right there for us. The fire. The number one thing every day. What matters? You get to keep that fire. Yeah. Keep that fire burning. Yeah. So my prayer, I'm going to have Cody sing us through another song, lead us in worship. 
But I'm going to have you just in your place right where you are. You won't stand up or, or move around or anything like that. But just in a place, I'm going to just have us say, hey, God, we want more fire in our life. We want more of you. We want to burn. We want to see that your scripture says that, that you pour yourself out, that you respond. So whatever that looks like, whatever areas, maybe you've, you're at an ember or maybe even you're at ashes. You say, God, fire fall again in my life. Let's worship. Just reach your hands out in front of you, just where you are. 
we're going to ask for the fire of God. Even online, wherever you are. Heavenly Father, in this place, we ask for your fire. God, we ask for your fire that changes things. God, we don't want to be church talk. We truly desire as we just worship, even tried by your fire. God, we desire your fire. We want the fire fall in our life, the cascade of your fire into our lives. But God, I pray for people listening, watching, those in this room, God, that need your fire. They're in a place of ashes or embers. God, we fan those flames right now. We say, come alive. We lay ourselves down to burn for you. Those that have been given diagnoses of ashes, sicknesses and diseases and ailments that would look like ashes. God, we pray right now that by your healing power, your fire falls in those people's lives. God, you are the restorer. You are our healer. God, your word says that by your stripes we're healed. We experience wholeness in you. God, I thank you that that doesn't have an expiration date, but even now in this hour, as you sit seated at the right hand of the Father, you're still our healer. You're the God of power and you're alive and you can move in this moment and heal. And God, we ask for your healing. Lord, I thank you that you said that we're supposed to pray on earth as in heaven. And God, we know that there is no cancer in heaven. There is no infirmities in heaven. There's no sicknesses. So God, we just pray for those who are hindered by an illness. God, we ask for their restoration. Heal their backs, Lord. Heal their knees. God, I thank you. In this moment, your healing eyes. Your healing eyes in this moment. You're setting into course proper alignment with, with vision and with eyesight. What the enemy meant for evil is going to be a blessing. Lord, send the fire. Lord, we just pray for mental health. God, you are a renewer of minds. Lord, send your fire to the minds. We come against thought lives that do not line up with your word. The accuser of the brethren. Lord, we ask that you shut the mouth of the accuser of the brethren in people's lives. Lord, I pray that your word says that the redeemed of the Lord should say so. Lord, let the words of the redeemed speak that they're redeemed. They're not bound. They're not victims. But God, they've been made free in you. Set a fire in us, Lord. God, I pray for any addiction that may be holding or hindering. God, I ask that your refiner fire hit every person struggling and bound in an addiction. Right now, God, burn away the impurities that are holding us back from burning bright. Struggling for years now set free by your fire in this room and watching online. God, we know and believe that you're a God of power. We use our faith to say, God, do it and move, set free and heal. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. It's fun to have the fire. Amen? Amen. Just keep asking every day with an expectation, God, your fire. God, your fire. I need more. As Cody was, we want more. Amen?